I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Confo by Design. And today on the show, you are going to hear from someone with whom you are probably already familiar. You know her product because you hear about it during the show. And I thought it was time for you to really hear from the, the creative behind it. This is an amazing, wonderful person and creative visionary behind the lifestyle brand Moya Living. This is Moya O'Neill. Moya is not just a guest, not just a partner sponsor of Convo by Design. She's a friend and also a superior creative. And she has built this company of hers around a product, as you have heard me talk about, is built like a tank. It looks like a Ferrari. And that's not a sales pitch. It's true. Why is that so important? Okay, so name a company, brand, manufacturer, or any other purveyor of a product or service, product really, that that makes their product so stunningly gorgeous that its style is timeless and enduring, while constructing it of a lasting material like steel, using best practices in building and manufacturing as to make sure that this product lasts and is, is measured not by years, but by generations. You will be hard-pressed to find another like Moya Living. Their process is a model for modern manufacturing. This is not a company that wants to sell you a new product every five or 10 years because what you bought from them is going to last for generations. They make their product to last, not to be replaced every five or 10 years. And, and that's amazing. But it all starts with the vision. And you're going to hear all about that in just a moment. I am incredibly proud of Convo by Design in year 10. And I'm equally proud of my partnership with Thermosol. They've been presenting partners of Convo by Design for three years now. And there is a certain amount of pride that comes with saying that the show is presented by the company that is the best in the world at what they do. Thermosol engineers the most exceptional smart shower products and steam shower systems worldwide for a few reasons. They were the first company to design patent the technology here in the U.S. dating back to 1958. Thermosol, a U.S. brand, a U.S. manufacturer in Round Rock, Texas, employs an engineering team that designs, tests, and continuously refines the product. Their quality control team tests every single steam generator before it departs the factory. Who else does that? Nobody. I have had the pleasure of working with some world-class designers and architects who tell me, and you probably know this, that the idea of luxury has changed and continues to change, especially when clients want a spa-like bathroom. Steam is mandatory. Or it's just not considered a, a, a luxury space. And if you want to add steam, you have one true option. It's Thermosol. And now, Thermosol, the industry leader in steam, bath equipment, and technology since 1958, is enhancing their already stellar family of products with new indoor and outdoor luxury saunas. Available in three design configurations, each sauna is handcrafted from clear western red cedar or Nordic spruce inspired by the brilliance of northern european sauna technology and design a luxury bathroom isn't luxury without steam if you want luxury you have one option it's thermosol check them out at thermosol.com and at thermosol on the socials so this is a long overdue conversation moya we've this is long overdue the last time you and i spoke um on, on the show was for desert oasis and I loved, I loved, loved that project. Palm Springs, um, 
It was beautiful. We got to see a little bit of Moya living, which was a re remarkable in that space. But I, I'm so thankful for this opportunity so that we could dive a little deeper because I love your story. You know I love your company and the product that you make. If we could just back up a second, starting with Genie Scientific and the whole background and the whole backstory for Moya Living. How did it start and how did you wind up here? I always say it's we're attracted to what we're attracted to. So um, I had gone to school for interior design. I ended up going into sales. As a young woman, I needed some money. So I asked my dad for some to help me out. And he said I could sell some instrumentation that he sold. I sold them all like in 30 days. So then he said, you better come work for us. And I, the last thing I wanted to do is work with my dad and my brother. Um, that was over three decades ago. We um, started by selling all the peripheral stuff for the laboratories, but we started selling the reconditioned metal cabinets because all the labs are made out of steel. And um, we would pick up miles of casework and stock it. And then we would just put it back together like a puzzle. And then that grew my love for metal cabinetry that it just lasts forever. I mean, you can pick up a cabinet that's 50 years old and refurbish it and it looks like new. Um, so it's kind of like what happens kind of makes you go that way too. Like we couldn't find any more furniture. We were getting so big, we couldn't find used furniture. So then we started making furniture. And then I had always been interested in art, but I was always doing things outside of Genie Scientific, doing crazy stuff anyway, some art projects and sawdust festivals and stuff like that. And all of a sudden I just had an aha moment. I'm like, I own a company that makes things. Why don't I just make something? So I started slowly making things for friends or clients that I knew really well, their offices. And then it just kind of morphed from there. It's just been, I, but I do truly think you just kind of are attracted to what you're attracted to. If I, I went to interior design school to design um, restaurant kitchens was my initial thought, which I had totally forgotten until about five years ago. And then here I am making kitchens. It's kind of weird how life turns out. So what I say is pay attention. Right. Like, I guess I fell asleep for 30 years or no, for about 20 years, but yeah. But let's back up for a second, because I, I, I think it's important not to gloss over this point here, because we're, we're talking about steel, powder-coated steel cabinetry that is absolutely beautiful. And you have this, you have this quote that, that, you use and I and I love it. It's and I hope I don't mess it up, but it's it's built like a tank and looks like a Ferrari. Right. And I love that. Um primarily because it's true. And that's the thing. Going back to your experience with Genie Scientific, this is cabinetry made for laboratories, made for for a scientific environment. Harsh, harsh environment, you know, I mean, chemicals. Up with her foot, and I mean, it's just it's you know, it's 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 crazy. They're loaded up with so much stuff, and the drawers are filled with so much stuff. So, yes. And when we began, we started up doing more mostly environmental labs and startup labs, and then you know, now our clientele includes you know, our number one client is Tesla, Apple, and SpaceX. So, I mean, we've really grown in that regard too. But we take that same, I like to say, Yankee ingenuity of what we do, how we do it and put that with Moya Living. So I think we, it, it makes us a little different that we have project managers and the way we do things. We're not you know, for, for the residential industry. Everybody always asks me, am I crazy? You're going from commercial to residential. Usually everybody wants to go from residential to commercial, but it's been, it's been really a joy. Well, and it's interesting too, because you get, I, I've heard you address this. People are like, oh, I don't, 
I don't want steel. And that's the thing that isn't it funny. It's like every, every product in design, you, you have to overcome certain obstacles because there's, there's one person with a certain aesthetic or one person with a certain design philosophy. And at the end of the day, when you have a product company, you are manufacturing a product. If you're successful, that can be utilized in so many different ways. And I think that that's what's so extraordinary about the manner in which you started Moya Living, the roots starting from a from a company that, that built this bulletproof, literally stainless, you know, and steel cabinetry for one environment. And then you take your designer's eye and your creator's vision and you you've created this company that has so many different elements to it. How much fun was that for you when you finally gave yourself creative license to take this one product with one singular purpose and, and sort of recreate it for the design community? It's honestly been one of the best things that's ever happened to me in my life. I mean, I finally feel like I am doing what I was meant to be doing. It's a little bit, like I always tell you, Josh, it's like swimming upstream a little bit. Like with people like, oh, I don't know. I don't have a modern house. It's not perfect enough. I mean, it can go in any house, but that's, you know, that's my tale to tell and my sales job to do. But it's been, I mean, I am, you know, at retirement age and all my friends are retired and I have, I'm just going full speed and having the time of my life. I mean, it's literally just like I'm having the best time and my colleagues are the best and my clients are the best. And it's just, I mean, it's just not BS. I mean, doing Apple, SpaceX, Tesla, that's really, really, really fun. And it feels really good, but it's very, very, very different than the, you know, the complexities of the design world and making something for someone's home. That means so much to them. It has, it has been my experience. It's really interesting. It has been my experience um, in, in talking with so many creatives, so many designers, and so many architects, that as rapidly as as the market is changing, especially since 2020, as rapidly as it's changing, there's an apprehension to to go to different products or different companies or different things because there's a learning curve required for each. And one of the things that I have found with Convo by Design now doing this for 10 years is this is almost like an audio visual lookbook where you know someone like you who has a very specific unique company can explain the product and explain why it makes so much sense and that's why I bring up you know the fact that some will say well I don't want stainless you've said that and it's really interesting but they don't look like steel right and because it's powder coated and then the obstacles you have are well Oh, what about the cost? And what about this? And what about that? Tell me if I'm wrong here, right? Just, just, and let's dive deep into this. You can, you can use, you can, you can specify any countertop material you did before. Uh, the, the, the strength of the joints and slides are industrial strength for the most part. The color palette is. Limitless. I mean, limitless. So explain this to me where you get, is it just an education process? Is that the hang up? 
Well, I think going back to your first statement, it's, I mean, I even do it with my other company and my company today. I mean, we get in patterns, trusted patterns of buying things from the same people. We trust them. We know how much we're going to make. We know we're going to show up on time and switching over to a new vendor is a pretty big deal. So typically we get our jobs because it's driven by either a designer or architect or the homeowner is just in love with it. I mean, oftentimes it's that, but um yeah, our cabinets, it's interesting because the more I see other cabinetry, high-end cabinetry, and then I see how our cabinets are made, um, you know, like, I mean, we always say we're not a cabinet country. We're kind of a cabinet com- company. We're like a lifestyle company. We're like a, for people that really care about how their kitchen's made, how their cabinets are made, where they're going to end up, you know, 50 years from now. It's really that kind of thing. But the durability, you know, you don't see, you go into a Michelin star restaurant, you don't see wood cabinets. You, you see metal cabinets. And our cabinets indoor are cold rolled steel that's powder coated. Then our outdoor cabinets are stainless steel that's powder coated. So because you don't need to go to the expense of stainless steel inside if you're going to powder coat it. So, and it's interesting though, there was cabinet makers in the forties and thirties that, you know, we did metal cabinets. So we have the Geneva and a lot of people had St. Charles and LA area out here, um, General Electric. And so it's, it's also a cult following of people that love steel cabinets. I have clients here right now that are, just said when they redid their kitchen, they're going to do metal because they don't want to have all the problems again. Here's the other thing, though, too, that I think is really important. We're not talking about just kitchens indoor and out. We're talking about custom fabricated furniture. We're talking about laundry rooms. We're talking about garages. We're talking about uh, furnishings in, in bedrooms. We're, we're not just talking about specifically in a, in a kitchen or you know indoor or outdoor kitchen. So and by the way, we're also not just talking about residential. We're also talking about business. We're talking about commercial. We're talking about industrial. Um, we're talking about hospitality. Right. We just did a really amazing commercial job for a Michelin star chef that does flavoring for alcohol right down the street for a company called Sovereign Flavors. And that was a really fun job to do. So, yes, I still do love you know commercial and I would love to do more hospitality. So it's fun, too. Take, take me through the process. Um, from from a, a, a designer that has never specified steel cabinetry or a homeowner or a developer, um, what's the process? It's really no different than buying wood cabinets, but for us, the process is we talk. We typically will do one set of designs for them to look at, and then we give them a budget. And then if it's in line with the budget, we typically get a design deposit just because, you know, you know how it is when you're doing, especially kitchens, you go back and forth, you know, like a thousand times. Um, and we get a design deposit and just start the design process. And the cabinets are, you know, they're just very similar to wood cabinets where they're in typical three inch increments if you go standard. And then the difference with us is we welcome custom. We'll do anything. That's kind of our good side and our bad side. <laughs> you talk to production engineering, they're like, okay, can we just make standard? But you can't make standard in this world and deal with the high-end luxury market and just think they're going to buy standard off-the-shelf stuff. They're, ne- they're never going to do it. Well, and it's interesting too, because um, some will say, oh, there's, a, there's this impression that co- it's cost prohibitive because it's a different material. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, if you're buying luxury wood, wood cabinetry, this is relatively the same cost. It's actually, it's, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's relatively the same cost, but like the super high end wood people where I'm actually having someone do my own bathroom right now. And it's more, it's more than metal cabinets, which metal cabinets sound so 
pedestrian, you know, but high-end luxury steel cabinets. They're wonderful in a bathroom. I just, I have them everywhere in my house. I need to have some wood somewhere. <laughs> so it's, it, this is what I, I, I love, which is so, so fascinating to me. And, and I feel like the business of design and architecture right now is in the midst of a, of a wholesale change. I feel like everything is changing so rapidly. And it's interesting because trying to keep on top of the business, you and I have had so many business conversations about this. It's like, first it was when the pandemic started, right? And then, it, you know, well, let's back up. I would say before that, it was trying to break through the clutter, you know, 2018, 2019. As I recall, it was really challenging to break through the clutter of product material and what people are doing that's different and just so much to so much product to think about. And then 2020, basically you hit the brakes, right? right. 2021, um, things start opening up and then we start to get into this log jam and everything locks up. Then things start freeing up, but the costs are astronomical. Crazy. It's crazy. And, and at the same time, people have changed the idea and the manner in which they want to live. So the idea of what, what home is has, has kind of changed. And yeah. now you've got people who want certain things and they're willing to spend for the things that they want. And they've got certain ideas as far as aesthetic and functional functionality has changed dramatically. Material types, sustainable design, it's all changed so, so quickly and so rapidly. How do you stay on top of that? And how do you manage the business as you go and continue to do the, the education with designers that you need to do? God, I always just say one bite of the elephant at a time. It's, it's, it's overwhelming. And, you know, believe me, everybody always thinks I look so great in social media and I should be driving around a limo all day, but they don't see me crying on the way home. I mean, it's a lot of work. Um, luckily, I have really engaged employees. We have, you know, over 30 employees here, which, you know, we're so, so lucky and I cannot, you know, that's one of the things I really want to work with, with young designers, starting out designers, designers in school, um, just kind of like, you know, don't hit all the roadblocks I had, learn from me, like what to do right. Um, one of the things for learning new things, I mean, I, I read, I listen to podcasts, I do all that stuff, but in a way, also, I go with my gut and I and I trust the designers that, because we tend to deal with very high-end designers. So, um, I mean, I'm not into trends at all, which I've said that before. I mean, I want things for myself, in my house. I buy things that I'll like 30 years later. I mean, that's just kind of my rule. I don't go for modern farmhouse or, I mean, I'll do it if that's what someone wants. But And I think it looks nice, but I just just go for what is more timeless. And that's what I feel like these cabinets are. I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I mean, I just, I'm continually always learning. I'm, I mean, in, I'm in my group of estate partners, Orange County, which I, we learned so much from each other. You know, I was in a business group for many, many years and, and my president is still in that group. So he brings everything back once a month and then we download all that stuff. So we just try to stay on top of everything. I mean, just staying on top of business and profit margins and paying employees is like a full-time job in itself, let alone just having the fun of designing things, getting things made. Finding. Well, let's. Here's what's interesting too. So you have your custom showroom fabrication, and uh, you you've got your entire ecosystem in Orange County 
California where everything is is designed and manufactured that how did how did that help you during the the last couple of years yeah obviously it helped a little bit when everyone's buying you know the high end tends to buy uh, German and Italian kitchens um, I don't, and uh, so instead of waiting 24 weeks for a part you know they could order my cabinets and have them and if something went wrong and of course something always goes a little bit wrong you know they could have the next part made the next day they don't have to wait another 24 weeks for it so i think you know with the builders and the architects and the designers that's the part that we really fit the mold for because there's not that many manufacturers in california anymore there are you know custom wood manufacturers but it's getting harder and harder so i think it really did help during covid I'm so tired about talking about COVID and how it affected us, but it's been, it's, it's been good. I mean, and we've had the last two years have been banner years, like crazy years, but 20, you know, what's really, you know, what's really interesting is, and I picked up on, you know, talking about COVID and talking about the pandemic. What's really interesting is I kind of feel like the moment we stop talking about it and we stop because I'm, I'm sick of it too. But the moment we stop talking about it and the moment we stop thinking about what caused certain changes in our thinking and our actions, we, we open ourselves up to, to that kind of thing. Again, I kind of feel like, and tell me, you're, once something happens, the chances of it happening again are exponentially greater. Yeah, you're right. I, I meant like, you know, when we, we laugh on, on different panels and stuff and they ask you, how did it affect your business? I mean, I like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Over and yeah. Over and just, you know, just please, can we have another Because now I have way more concerns than that, that it seems like that no one even talks about, you know, like I've talked to you before about how are we going to get these artisans to make all this stuff 10 years from now? Who are they? Where are we going to find them? I mean, those are the things that keep me awake at night thinking about you know, trade schools and all that kind of stuff that we don't have that. So that is absolutely true. And it's really interesting. And, you know, you know, that, that I'm in Tulsa and, you know, one of the interesting things, and to your point, you know, when all of this amazing architecture, this art deco in, in Tulsa was crafted, you know, in, in the 1920s and thirties and forties, they had painters and fabricators and sculptors and you had all these tradesmen who would who would do the work the physical and their hands told stories you know there was knowledge in their hands and nowadays as much as everything there's a lot that's still falling apart here because there are no people to do it you look at a frank, a frank lloyd wright building mm -hmm. which would have like there's a there's his one and only office building uh you know 50 miles from me in bartlesville and you've you've got these handmade blocks. You can't get them anymore. And there's nobody, there's nobody to make them right, right now. Right. So it's, you know, it's really, it's an interesting idea that you bring up. And I love that, which is also why, you know, what you're making is gonna last a very it's generational. It's heirloom product. I would say it'll last past your grandkids. I mean, I don't know how yeah. How, depending on all your, but it, it, it can, they can last. What did I, I saw the wall street journal, that article that I show on my PowerPoints, uh, a guy was selling his house and 70 years later and still had metal, the metal cabinets. He was an astronaut and he still had metal cabinets and they still look good. I mean, they needed to be freshened up, but they still look good. What's the idea too? You know, it's interesting. You had mentioned um, that, you know, the high end ordering German and Italian cabinetry Interesting to me too that you know the idea behind European cabinetry. I don't know if it's still like this 
for the most part today, I think it might be that when, when people move into a home, they, they bring their cabinetry with them, like their furniture. When, when they move, they bring their cabinetry with them, like their furniture. Um, we don't do that here in the States, but I'm wondering if we're, if we're starting to get to a place where that's almost, especially with the investments that people are making these days, is that a thing here? Do you think? It's not yet, but I think it could be. We're, we're, we're doing that as a sales approach for the outdoor. Like you can take this whole outdoor system with you. Um, indoor, we make touches and islands and things that you can take. It depends on, you know, the real estate of California. I don't think they would allow you to, but I, it makes sense that we could. And I think designing a kitchen that looks like it's furniture is really a cool look too. Like just looks more homey. I mean, just looks more not like it, I don't know, it, everything looks kind of cookie cutter to me after a while when you look at all these kitchens. I mean, I love the European kitchens. I just, the way they, they look, it looks like they have a butler's kitchen in the back and that's where they really do the cooking to me <laughs> a lot of times. You are listening to my conversation with Moy O'Neill. We'll be right back. Design Hardware's newly remodeled showroom is where you will find a gallery-style space with a thoughtful display of products, purposefully positioned to allow unbridled exploration and discovery. High-end faucets, luxury tile, natural stone, wood floors, and bespoke hardware selections are presented in a holistic manner, strategically arranged to stimulate creativity and transition your vision from the conceptual stage to a fully realized space. Conveniently located, free parking available, stop by to find your inspiration, Collect samples, get expert advice, and tackle everything on your shopping list all in one place. Visit them online at designhardware.com or in the real world, 6053 West 3rd Street in Los Angeles. The Institute of Classical Architecture and Art Southern California Chapter is a forum for professionals in the industry and enthusiasts to come together, share their love, and show their commitment to the timeless principles of beauty, proportion, and observation that are embodied in classicism. Their members include renowned architects, designers, landscape architects, builders, students, artists, and creatives from every walk of life. It's a wonderful organization designed to celebrate the unique regional identity of Southern California and help develop the careers of the like-minded. If you're interested in joining or would like to learn more about sponsorship and support for the ICAA Southern California chapter, please email me, convobydesign at outlook.com. Well, it's interesting too, because the lines are blurring and, you know, it's, it's funny too, because, you know, when you, when you live in one place for a long time, I live in Southern California, Southern SoCal's home to me, but when you live in one place for a long time, you, you kind of get this myopic view that everything else is the way that you, that you have it. And it's really, really interesting this idea of multiple kitchens is not just a Southern California thing anymore. The idea of multiple kitchens really does change dramatically where you go and, and who is living there and who's using it. You know, you'll have Asian kitchens where you'll have a, a main kitchen for show. And then you'll have a working kitchen for all of the splatter. You'll, you know, you'll have steel on the back, on the backsplash all the way up to the ceiling, you'll have industrial fans to get, you know, for the hot oil and, and odors and, and you'll have a, a, you know, a kosher kitchen, which is just an expanded space with two of everything. So it has to be much larger. You'll, you'll have other kitchens where you'll have a scullery, you'll have a, a butler's pantry and a butler's, you know, prep station. 
and you'll have a, you know, a, a coffee bar in a, in, in a, in a master suite. But what you'll also have is you'll also have on an ensuite that, that bathroom having residential appliances now, you know, having a warming drawer for the towels instead of a towel rack on the walls. The idea is changing. And with that, I, it just feels to me like your product, your company is right in the sweet spot of where everything is going right now. I sure hope so. I think so. And I, and I, I think we built the showroom because, you know, when we keep saying steel and metal, until people come, I, I, I mean, I had a group of students come through and they were like all saying the same thing. This is not what I expected. I'm like, well, what were you expecting? They expected to feel like a file cabinet or something and it, or a Budweiser can. And it doesn't, I mean, you really can't even tell it's metal until you touch it and knock it and, and, and feel it. But it really, it looks almost like lacquer or it could look like anything. But it's, it's very interesting. I've seen some other projects of yours too. Um, and, and we'll show a couple of them here on the on the video, and you can find those on Instagram. It it doesn't feel like steel. It doesn't look like steel, but it performs like steel. Right. And the nice part, like for a bathroom and a laundry room and all your kitchens and stuff, the way it wipes out with steel inside it, it just feels so lovely. It's just, and I I, told, I shared with you years ago, like twenty five years ago, if you told me I'd have metal kitchens in both my houses, I would have said crazy. But now I can't imagine it not having it. It's just wonderful. So what's so what's changing for you? How considering and you know back to the pandemic, you know not not the one that we just had, but the Spanish flu, you know, in nineteen twenty and nineteen twenty one. That's where I mean, let's let's not forget that the 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 Spanish flu in the U.S. has pretty much led to many of the changes that you have in modern residential bathrooms you know prior to that we wash our hands with soap and water until like the 20s or something i think it was something like that crazy well and also you had you didn't have finished you had like porous wood in bathrooms you know and talk about collecting bacteria and that's part of what changed you know the subway tile for residential use that's when that started and and i look neither of us were there at the time but i'm going to try to imagine that someone would say, well, listen, I don't want my bathroom or kitchen to look like a subway station. This is how old I am. My grandma actually worked um, and helped people during the Spanish flu. My mother always reminds me of that. Really? That crazy? It, it is. But when you think about it, 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 I mean, look, it was long ago, but it wasn't that long ago. No. It was still, you know, modern era. And especially in residential and, and commercial and industrial and hospitality in design, those kinds of things that happened then are are still in use today. And it's funny because because people will say, well, I'm tired of subway tile. You may be tired of it. I You can say that, but look how many people still use it and they use it because they like it. It's the same idea. Like, you know what I, one thing that really irritates me. What? You I'm dying to know. You, what's that? Dying to know. Well, you and I have, have talked about this before to some degree is the the lists like every year, especially around this time, like, Oh yeah. The color of the year, the the color of the year and the 10 things you need to know about ins and outs for 2023 in design. And on, by the way, it's really funny on every single list that I've seen that, that everyone's pushing, many are pushing out during the holidays, the white kitchen. Oh yeah. Right. Is is on that. The white kitchen is, you know, that's, that's the target du jour, right? That's the, that's the one that everyone's going to, going to be doing. Good luck with that one. But the reason why is because people like white 
kitchen's clean. clean, everyone. It's clean. It's clean. I, I totally get it. My kitchen's black and white. I mean, I get it. Yeah. And and the reason for that is is because it is clean and it's a it's a clean look. Not not every design style is for everyone. You know, living in Manhattan Beach for as long as I did watching, you know, in the 90s, it was that Mediterranean look. And then everyone had to have that Mediterranean look. Right. And then in the, you know, in the 2010s and teens, this idea of this Cape Cod mod sort of took hold where now everything that went down that when they built it back up, it was a Cape Cod ish looking structure that was white, white and no little blue, but no other real anything to speak of. Um, and that same idea where you take, you take the lawn out and you take all of the, for water purposes and you just zero scape it. And, you know, you put in the decomposed granite and a couple of things here and there just, you can't say that that's going to go away because it's been around for a long time and some people still like it. But that being said, I think it's a very dangerous practice to tell anyone what's going out, save for, you know, harvest gold and avocado. If we want to go back to the seventies, that's fine. (laughs) But aside from that. Avocado's back with a vengeance right now. It is, right? It's yellow. Yellow is all shades of yellow. Maybe not the harvest gold quite. I don't know. Maybe you've seen it. I haven't seen that one exactly, but a sh- different shades of yellow are big right now. I think because they're happy colors, and I think we all want to be happy right now. I think, that's a, I think that's a great point. So how does that inform your ideas about the the design that that you sort of institute as the as the ethos for Moya Living and the color palette that you have, but also the fact that you can customize for whatever every anyone else might want. I mean, again, I just kind of go with my gut on this because I mean, I might not have a lot of talent, but I kind of have good taste, I think. So I I mean, I just coming out with a new color. I don't know what to name it yet, but it's going to be kind of a watermelon color for outdoor, and it's because I the the yellow uh, we call it dandy, like a dandelion is just. People are loving it. So I just wanted to do a different shade. So it's kind of a, like a watermelon color. I'm thinking about naming it Flamingo or, or you can maybe help me come up with a name, but um, I just kind of come up with it. I just see it. And also I got to have that color, but also the clients, they just dictate. And then I learn something from them and then I incorporate that color. When, when you're, it's funny. Cause I've seen you working directly with designers and I, you know, one of the things that I've really, I've just been fascinated by is the, I don't feel like the industry necessarily does the greatest job educating designers on product. And I think that because of that, designers have gotten to the point where they're so busy. It's like, send me a sample kit, you know, send me a sample and I'll figure it out. I have seen you working directly with, with designers. And I can't help but get the idea that that's your element. You just really seem to enjoy that. I love it. I, I, I really do love it. And there's so many amazing designers, especially just, you know, we interviewed a couple the other day. It was, they're, they're fantastic. And they're all completely different. That's what's so exciting about them too. And I love the, what they all do. They all have different genres. And we can, and, we can sell to any genre. That's the thing too. I think I, I get a little pigeonholed sometimes because I think Moya color. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be crazy color. It can be a muted, you know, aubergine and a white or, you know, beige, you know, I don't care. It's just as long as we make it pretty. Well, and by the way, I'm glad that you brought that up. I appreciate that because if you want to hear, uh, we, you and I did something really special. I recorded you interviewing three designers. 
and Huma, Uma Suleiman, it was Jen Sampson, and it was Laura Brophy. Right. It was great. And it was great. And I made an episode out of that. And by the way, one of the things that just makes me so happy is turning over the mic to someone like you and letting you just be you. It was so great. And, and I, I, pref- I tell you that because if you want to listen to it, go to the show notes. I'm going to include a link to that episode as well. And you can hear Moya and her conversations with three amazing, incredible designers who do extraordinary work. And I so enjoyed it. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. And if you want to listen to it, go check the, the, the show notes. It, it's funny because you're, it, you're apprehensive too when it comes to picking up the mic, but you're so good at it. I don't know. I, I get nervous. I still get nervous. I <laughs> just, it is. I guess that's because I care so much about everything. I get nervous, but um, yeah. And I was exhausted that day after doing those three interviews. I don't know how you do it. It is just completely, I mean, I could have just went straight to bed. It was exhausting. So I get listen like for doing it. I appreciate that. Thank you. But look, like, like you, I, I love doing it. I enjoy it. So what's, what's next for Moya Living? What's next for you? What's coming up? What are you excited about? Well, one of the things I'm really excited about is I, so in my estate partners group, I went to a, a fellow who designs furniture and he had his own creative space. And I have, we've been hiring so many people. I share my office with a bunch of people. And I know a lot of designers do that, but I am, de- I am dedicating myself to creative time. So we're going to be coming out with some new products. Um, new ideas. It's called Moya Living. It doesn't always have to just be a cabinet. I want to go after hospitality more, more boutique hotels, because I think our product is just made for how those cabinets just take a licking. You know, you have to overcome the objection of the money people that they don't want to spend the money, but then you go to a hotel, it's all screwed up after like two months. I mean, if they look at the longevity of it and you can re electrostatically paint it 10 years from now, that's one of my things. So I'm working on a lot, but the biggest thing is I got my new office. I'm by myself. I'm scheduling creative time, alone time, and um, and hiring more designers like everybody else, and just trying to um, create new patterns with the designers, architects, and builders that I want to work with, and they want to work with me. And then that's you know just stay in my stay in my lane, and to keep selling the high end, the high end luxury market. I mean, I just went and saw a client last week, and her. A ginormous house in Malibu was just so so fun. I mean, it's just it's so rewarding. It sounds crazy, but it's and it's it's these these homes are crazy. I mean, they have you know cold plunge pools and you know beauty salons and all this crazy stuff. So it's 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 really fun to meet them. So let's talk about this too, because I think um, some who might be listening to this on the East Coast or Midwest or in the South will say, you know, look. Southern California, totally get it. It's great. You can put this product outside and it's going to be fine. You know, not necessarily realizing that you have salt water to contend with as well as weather, you know, super hot in the, in the desert, super cold in the, in the mountains, but it's maybe not, you know, Chicago or Wisconsin cold. (laughs) You know what I mean? Talk to me, talk to me performatively about how the product does. Let's go from, let's go from West to east, you know, let's go through the the baking sun in the south, the the mountains in in Colorado and Montana and Wyoming, into the Midwest and some of you know the the water issues that you have there into the into the incredibly frigid cold of upper you know upper New York and into the high humidity and salt water down in South Florida. 
how do how does Moya Living perform in all of those different climates? Well, we sell a lot oceanfront in the West Coast, and and people don't know, um, and, and we we've learned a lot. So our the baked on powder coat makes the stainless steel like a marine grade, but just like a boat. I mean, you got to upkeep it. You can't just like leave it out in the snow for ten months and think, okay. I mean, you've got to use your your noggin and and have some good housekeeping. But we we sell up in the Hamptons, we sell in Utah in the snow. A lot of times in those kind of weathers, they have an overhang, you know, it's not just sitting out by itself, but um, it, it will hold up very well. In the desert, it was really interesting because when we did that desert oasis, it was like 110 that day when we went out there. And I touched, I was curious because I, with the cabinet and the cabinet was brown but the cabinet wasn't hot, but the countertop was like boiling hot. You couldn't even touch it. And that stone, which was crazy. So that was a good selling attribute. The desert's great because it's so dry. The desert, the one thing the desert has is sand. So probably during the years, you're going to have to cover it. I mean, it's just, you know, even in labs, when we built labs, people were like, well, can I stain perchloric acid? Like, yeah, but you got to wipe it up. You don't just leave it there. I mean, come on, you got to have a little common sense. But the, the cabinetry should will hold up like marine grade boat you know it's it, that's what it'll hold up for so we are selling into all those elements i haven't got into the southern southeast yet um a lot of new york a lot above new york aspen telluride you know on all up and down the coast and the, the interesting part for california is or for everywhere i guess in the fog there's iron so even when you're using marine gray stainless steel poles it'll get surface rust so we're being aware of that. And so now we're incorporating um, brass poles and poles that patina that don't, I don't have to worry about, you know, someone having to take off the surface rust. And I'm learning like that, why you don't want a flat pole, you want something rounded and just all these little tricks. Interesting. I love that. Yeah. Well, you know, every time you do something, you learn something. Yeah. And as far as countertops go, um, you can, you can use, you can use anything. Anything you want. I mean, we have recommendations, what we like for outdoor. There's, you know, there's a lot of good products. And indoor, obviously, they can use, I mean, we can use whatever the client wants. So we have relationships with everyone. So that part's fun. I, you know, I love the synthetic stone. I love, I mean, I love natural stone. It's for outdoor, there's, you know, there's all kinds of, um, there's Lapitec, there's Decton, there's Siles. No, Siles stone's not outdoor, but there's porcelain. There's all kinds of stuff. I'm even still learning because we get in our patterns and then we start just doing the same thing like everybody does. We just buy the same people. Yeah, that's great. Okay. So if you had a dream project that you could do, any dream project, you know, let's put that out in the universe right now. What would it be? I'd like to do a boutique hotel and I'd like to, I'd like to be the lead designer on it. It'd be really fun. Very cool. I could totally, I could totally see that. Yeah. Are you going to buy a hotel? You want me to design it for you? <laughs> <laughs> Let's line up the financing and see if we can make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's awesome. That's super cool. Yeah. You know, it's fun too, because being here in Tulsa, um, the downtown area is, is really vibrant. And the, the Mayo is a, is a hotel from the, you know, from the, from the thirties and they've just fixed it up and, and it's, it's magnificent now. It's really amazing. Um, but I, you know, I feel like that's one of the, one of the places where we're going right now is not everything has to be 
new, new. You know what's funny is I used to I I, I used to be really annoyed by millennials. And it not, you know, in general, because so we would do, you know, if you went to hear a panel talk anywhere, it was, how do I reach millennials? What do millennials want? Designing for millennials, how to get millennials to buy your product. And it was like, well, they're just super picky and this and that. And then, no, it's not that. It was that, that this, that particular generation puts, put something, it put a level of importance right on certain things that made them happy. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bureau. It's a, it's a pair of sneakers. Well, it's a watch. Grew up with Target and Ikea and all that yeah. stuff. They grew up with all that stuff that falls apart where we kind of grew up with maybe it's maple, but it was, you know, it lasted forever. But, you know, we didn't grow up with that stuff. I mean, I didn't, yeah. I'm not speaking for you, but yeah, I think it's a lot to do with that. You're right. And they don't, they're not as materialistic where as uh, other generations. Yeah. And so this idea that it's like, I don't have to have everything super luxe, but I'll have that one thing. And then I'll surround everything else with, with things that make me happy and things that, that I enjoy or things that complement that one piece. And it got me thinking, and it's like, you know what, that that's how design should be. Exactly. I mean, we buy so much crap everywhere now. It's just, it's, I mean, I try to like, my house is a very tiny 1932 house. You've been there. Um, I try to have everywhere I look, it means something to me and I like to see it. I don't want, you know, I mean, I have nothing wrong with home goods. Believe me, I go there too for stuff, but it's, you don't want everything to look like it came out of that store or, you know, you want it to look like, okay, you travel over here and you bought that there. And this is interesting. It makes you feel good. I think we're just, so into mass consumption, it's just, but we better yeah, fix hotel rooms for what they're charging right now. It's crazy. It is crazy. And it's funny too, because it's something you just said, reminded me a mutual friend of ours, Patrick Dragonette, um, said, you know, at one point when he and I were talking, he was doing, I met him when he was uh, doing Waddle's Mansion, uh, it was showroom, a show house, and he did this space. And and I, I said to him something about his his space and being highly eclectic. And and he just looked at me, stopped me. Apparently, he hates the word eclectic. I guess so. He'll let you he know. Replaced, he, hates it. he replaced it with collected. And I was like, oh, come on, same thing. He's like, no, no, not the same thing. And he was absolutely right. It's it's not the same thing. And that's what I love most about your house. Your home is highly collected. You know, you look at everything around there, and there's a purpose behind everything. We'll talk about someone with good taste, Patrick Dragonette. But also, did you hear he got he's doing sunny lens? He got that job to redo silence. That's fantastic. And that's what I mean. That's reconnect with that. I'm talking about though. Those are my friends. I mean, it's like just yeah. fun. You know, yeah. if you can idolize your friends, it's kind of fun. Yeah. Well, and so in any, I bring that up because it, I feel like, I feel like you've, you've got your finger on the pulse of something and it feels right. And it feels right now. And it feels like something that, you know, I would think that the challenge for you now is twofold. Really, it's being able to keep up with with the work, you know, and continuing to get the word out there on the right projects with the right designers. And it's harder these days. It really is. Well, the last two years during COVID, we opened the showroom as right before COVID. We had one nice event. Um, so I have just been on the road going to every event known to man for some young designers. I mean, 
it gets, it's, it's hard, but just go meet everyone. And then you start picking your peers and who you want to work with. But now I want to back away from all that and be more, my, my more creative self, but it, it, you know, that that's part of the work too, is the schmoozing. I mean, it is. How would you recommend that young designers, new designers work with a company like yours? And, and I, I asked the question specifically because that's something that I don't feel like design schools really teach the students. They don't teach them, you know, you can get a sample kit and you can memo product and here's how you color coordinate and here's how you measure and here's how CAD, but they don't teach them the interpersonal relationships with the showroom managers or the brand managers or the manufacturers to understand how that relationship really works. That's the key word, right? Relationships. I mean, everything is about relationships, and especially in this high-end sphere. It's about relationships. It's, you know, it's about service and, you know, backing up everything you say you're going to do. But the number one thing is a trusted relationship. I mean, I, they should have a class on how to build trusted relationships. I mean, I see it every day. I mean, I, I've been lucky that I have a creative side and I also have a sales side. So I kind of am a lucky, fortunate person in that regard. I'm not that great on my math or accounting, but um, it, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch. I see a lot of young designers and they just talk about blah, blah, blah. Myself is what I do, what I do. I no, 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 no. That's not what you do. You just go out and you just meet people. They get to know you. They trust you. And then if they like your work, they'll do business with you. I just think, um, you know, because you a lot of you go to school and you think I could do this. I could do this. I would do this for free. They probably would do it for free. They like it so much. But you do need to know how to make money to pay the bills and pay your staff. So that's the kind of stuff I want to get involved in more, you know, teaching that kind of stuff with younger designers and students and even working with the inner city of Santa Ana and different things to give, you know, I was fortunate I mean, I was raised in Montebello. I wasn't raised with a silver spoon or anything, but I mean, I was, I was raised by a nice middle-class family, but I mean, I, I just think it's really important now at the stage of my life to be more about giving back and helping. So I just, I, and I think that's the true side of a relationship is that you want to help your client. You really want to help them. You're not just trying to sell them something to make money and move on to the next client. You're creating something that's going to be just awesome for that client, that they're going to love you when it's done. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you know what's really interesting is um, having had the opportunity to work directly with the interior designers on this design house project that I'm working on in Tulsa, you know, two designers so far, John McLean and Gail Davis, in working with them, their approaches have been very different, but their work both wound up hitting the bullseye in the center of the red. Wow. And, and much of that is because they spent the time. And I think this is kind of where you're going, where you're needing the time to be creative and you're looking for ways to actually shut everything else off around you for a little bit, to take the time to listen, process, understand, and then perform. And I feel like we, we don't really have that in mass. We don't really have that opportunity to do that right now, unless we force ourselves philosophically. That's, that's so well said. I mean, right there, that's it in a nutshell. And probably the key word of all those is listen. Yeah. So philosophically, how are you finding the time to, to stop down 
and not answer the phone and not not take the calls and really kind of dig deep to process the things that that you need to that you need to process because I think lessons lessons from someone like you who's been doing you've been doing what you've been doing at such a high level for so long that you know you need to con- continue to remind yourself whoa I got to stop I got to back away and take the time I mean I did all the sales for Genie Scientific for all these years and built this company up to what it is today and then and now I don't do anything with Genie Scientific but really it kind of happened by happenstance because, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you're a control freak. Let's just face facts. You're a control freak. You want to do everything. No one can do anything as good as you. And no one ever will probably do anything as good as you. I mean, there will be people that do things better, but a lot of times no one can do it the way you want to do it except you. But if you don't learn to delegate, you will die. So um, when my husband's parents, who I adored, both passed away, we went on a road trip and I went away for almost a month. And I didn't have cell service. And I really learned that the team could take care of everything. It sounds so dumb at this late stage in life to say that. But now I just try to kind of stay away in a way and let them get out of their way and let them do their jobs. And then when the big picture of stuff comes up, they ask me, but I trust them to do their job. So, I mean, that's delegating is so easy to say. It's so hard to do. But that's been really the biggest game changer for me in the last seven years. it was, it's been pretty life-changing and, and hiring the right people and hiring people that are smarter than you is like such an important thing to do. It's, it's, it's life-changing. And you, like, sometimes you hire someone and, and they're like a little bit expensive out of your league and you don't really want to pay that because it's like out of your budget, but then you do it. And then you make so much more money because they're so much smarter than you are, you know, in so many other regards. It's true. Um, what I like too is that, you know, from a product standpoint, the, the one thing that I've always seen with you is everything emanates out from the product and from the brand and from, you know, you're not, a, you've said this, you're not a, you're not a product company, you're, you're a lifestyle brand and you're spot on. You're exactly right. Um, it's the, what you make makes, makes the, the act of living better. Right. And for, for a number of ways and for a number of reasons. And I, and I, that seems to be one thing that from the company standpoint, you've, you've never, you've never forgotten and you continue to sort of promote that philosophy. And I, and I love that. We really, we almost care too much here. I mean, we almost kill ourselves every day to do things. And it's, 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 it's been, I don't know, it's like, I think it's our family culture or something. We're like workaholic type people. I mean, work is fun for us. So, um, you know, it's my, I'm part. I'm. I'm in business with my husband. I'm in business with my brother, and I'm in business with my nephew, who's our president. So, but, but we're all kind of that same mindset. It's kind of funny. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I and I like I said before, I got to see you in action um, with with the those three designers, and I love that episode. And again, if you want to hear it, um, I'm going to put a link in the show notes so you can go back and listen to that. Moya, this was so much fun. Thank you for taking the time to do this today. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> We are living in a time of incredible growth, both technologically and creatively, with respect to interior design, exterior design, and architecture. There is no question. There are companies thinking differently about the business of design and how to make products super serve those for whom they're being made. One of those companies, and one of my favorites, is Moya Living, designer and fabricators of some of the most stunningly beautiful incredibly durable and highly functional kitchen, bath, and outdoor kitchen cabinetry on the market today.
powder-coated steel with stunning lines, vibrant colors to fit any design style or aesthetic. A history of designing cabinetry for the scientific community. So you know it's been tested in some of the truly the most harsh conditions available. Moya O'Neill is the CEO and founder of Moya Living. She's the inspiration behind the design. Designers, their specification process is so simple. It will make your job so much easier. Check them out online through the socials at Moya Living, their website, moyaliving.com, and in the real world, their live kitchen showroom in Fountain Valley, California. Thank you, Moya. I, I do love our chats. Thank you, Convo by Design sponsor partners, Thermosol, Moya Living, and Design Hardware for making the show possible. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to the show. I hope you enjoy the show, and you should know that that's why I do this, for you. I would also like to hear from you. I love the guest submissions and show suggestions, so keep them coming. Email me, convobydesign at outlook.com, or message me on Instagram at convobydesign with an X. Remember why you do what you do and for whom you do it. Let let that be the, the guiding principle that drives you to push the boundaries. And let's keep moving our industry forward. Okay? Be well. And until next week, take today first. Mm-hmm.